Thank you for listening to this parenting series and the Training Up Children podcast. Pastor and Mrs. Dingus from the People's Baptist Church will teach on biblical principles and helpful tips on raising children in the Lord. As the Bible says in Proverbs 22, verse 6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Our desire as as parents is to raise our children in a way that pleases the Lord and honors Him above all else. Prayerfully, this podcast will be a help to you as you listen in. I want to speak this morning on this subject, why family life is better in the ark. Why family life is better in the ark. The Bible says, The Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. The ark, of course, is a picture of salvation. It's a picture of God protecting them. And what a safe place for our family to be. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we again ask that you please bless the service this morning. Lord, I pray that you bless every family relationship here, Lord, whether it be husband and wife, whether it be brother or sister, whether it be parent or child, grandparent or child, uncle and nephew or niece and aunt. Lord, please help us, Lord, to realize the importance of those relationships that you have put in our hands. Help us, Lord, never to consider them common or to diminish them in any way. Help us to be responsible, Lord, with those people that you have given us in our families. And we pray, Lord, that we would be together, united, and moving forward for you. Lord, we pray that you'd bless our families, please. In Jesus' name, amen. Several statements this morning. Could I say, number one, I believe today it is very possible to have a godly home. I don't care what the world does. I believe that you can have a wonderful marriage. I believe that you could not only just get through life without divorce, but I believe you can rejoice with the wife of your youth. I believe you can enjoy your marriage. I, think, I believe that you could stay sweet on each other. I believe that marriage can get better and better and better. I believe that your family could be a place to look forward to. As I said, it does not matter really what year it is. It really does not matter what season it is. It does not matter what your career may be. It does not matter what the climate is. It does not matter what your financial ability is or your educational accomplishments. It does not matter what your neighbors do. It does not even matter what's happening in our country. I believe you can have a happy home. I believe you could have a good relationship with your parents if you want to. I believe you could have a good relationship and have the hearts of your children if you want to. You see, what I believe it really gets down to is our hearts. Do we really value the family? Do we really care about those people that God has given us? Do we realize that they're a gift from God? Do we realize that it's God's plan for us to have strong family relationships and to have strong families? Do we understand that we have a responsibility, every one of us, whether you're 13 years old or if you're a grandparent here, that we have to always invest in our families and continually put in something to that family every day of our lives? You see, it all gets down to our heart. It gets down to me and my wife. It gets down to me and my children. It gets down to you and your family. It doesn't matter what they do out there. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they say on the radio. It doesn't matter what they do on the internet. What matters is what do you do and what do I do in our homes when we get home today? What thoughts do we have running through our minds? What words come out of our mouth? What words do not come out of our mouth? What kind of actions do we, if you will, show towards those that are our family? How do we treat each other? Do we treat each other with respect? Do we treat each other with care and compassion, or do we cut each other down and, if you will, hurt each other in different ways? You see, since the fall of Adam, there's always been temptation. Since the fall of Adam, there's always been sin. 
The families always had opposition, if you will, to be close and to be united. If you will, since the fall of Adam, there's always been trouble and opposition and bad things happening. There's always been health problems and wicked people around us. The devil's always been busy. It doesn't matter. That's been happening since day one. But I believe today that we can have happy homes. And we need to realize that that's not a pie-in-the-sky vision. That ought to be something we ought to work for and sweat for and pray for and invest in until we have what we ought to have. I'm saying you can have a happy home. You can look forward to being home. You can wake up in the morning enjoying being with your family. You can enjoy spending time together. You can enjoy dating. You can enjoy, listen, you, you say I'm married. You can enjoy dating, listen, all your life my friend. You say, well, I'm married now. Keep on dating. Amen. I mean, keep being sweet on each other. Keep on being thoughtful of each other. You can have a happy home. I believe it's God's plan for us to be happy in our homes. I believe it's God's plan for us to be what our spouses and the rest of our family needs. I believe that God wants to work through every one of us to help our family members. God put us there on purpose. Listen, we do not depend on the economy. We depend on God. We do not depend on what our nation does. We depend on God. We do not even depend on what this world does. You and I, we have a great God that is ready to help us and to strengthen us and give us wisdom and show us how to build our homes. Hey, you can have a wonderful family. Family. Young people don't ever be discouraged about getting married. There's a lot of talk today about I'm not getting married. That's foolishness. There's nothing so wonderful as being married. Let me tell you why. I've been married 34 years. Nothing more fun and more wonderful than, and nothing that I look forward to more than spending time with my wife. Listen, I, I, I dated her for five uh, years or so. Uh, I, yeah, no, was it three? No, three and a half years. I'm sorry. Three and a half years. And uh, then I got married. And, and listen, I have enjoyed it. I enjoy it today. I enjoy it more now than I ever have in my life. Listen, don't you let anybody lie to you. Don't let you, anybody misguide you. Marriage is a wonderful thing. I've had children, obviously, and that's been a pleasure. That's been wonderful. Let me tell you, it's been a blessing to have a family, to have little kids running around the house, and to look forward at the end of the day to come home to little kids running around. And I used to come home, I used to lay on the tile floor, and they'd crawl on me, and they'd look at me, and they'd drool on me. Hey, there's nothing more wonderful than having kids again in the house. It's wonderful. And listen, don't you let the world uh, discount that. Don't let, you do, let you, don't let yourself listen to what the world says. Listen, having family and children is a wonderful experience. It is fulfilling. It is satisfying. Hey, it's a challenge and there's things that you have to do. And listen, you can't be selfish anymore. But the truth is this. Family is a blessing from God. Amen. I'm saying this. We can have godly families. And here we see Noah and his family united together. And we see them entering the ark together. And God looked down and he didn't just say to Noah, he said, come thou and thy house into the ark. For I have seen uh, the righteous before me in this generation. You see, here's a good family for you and I to lift up as an inspiration to us. Here's a family, again, that uh, consisted of a father, a mother, their three sons, and their wives. And God looked down and he said, you guys, although you live in a difficult period of time, although, again, I'm sure that it wasn't easy to build a home you have, you are united, you love each other, you, you look forward to being together, you're not going to go in that ark and argue and complain and be bitter towards one another. You, again, I have seen righteous God said, and he took that family in into the ark. You see, I believe that we can, although things are going on around us, I believe that we can build strong marriages. And I believe that you can have sweet children and godly children and, and children that love God and children that are a pleasure to be around. I believe you can have teenagers that are a privilege to be around. 
Let me say it again. I don't believe all this junk that uh, people say when they're terrible too. I don't even like that phrase. There's no such thing as terrible twos. They're wonderful. If you discipline your children early and you get their heart and you gain their respect, there's no such thing as terrible twos. At least from my experience. And people say, oh, when they, I heard somebody years ago say, oh, I wish I could put my kids when they're 12 years old, I could put them in a box and take them out when they turn 19. Let me tell you, that's nonsense. Listen, if you are close to your children and you work together with your children, you have their heart, teenagers are wonderful. Teenagers are a thrill. I mean, teenagers, to me, they're fun. I mean, they're excited about life and they're wanting to try anything. They're ready to jump off buildings and jump over fences and touch electric fences and they're ready to drive cars and steamboats and anything else you give. Hey, they're excited about life. It's, it's a wonderful thing to have teenagers. Listen, don't let the world tell you that junk. Listen, it's just, do you have a Christian home or not? That's what matters. Amen? I'm, I believe also that brothers and sisters can be close to each other and be an encouragement to each other. Right now, I'm very close to my sister. Listen, we talk all the time. And again, it's something that ought to be that way. God put her in my life, and, I, and God put me in her life. And listen, God gave you a brother, and God gave you a sister. And you ought to realize that you could have a, and you should have a good relationship with your brother or sister. There ought not be this fighting and constant. I understand everybody once in a while argues as a disagreement. That's normal. But I'm saying this. There should not be this constant rivalry and constant competition and, and constantly trying to, to, to beat each other or to try to uh, show each other up. There ought not be that. You ought to get along with your brother and sister and encourage them and strengthen them in your family. You see, each family this morning and it doesn't matter how many people are in your family. Maybe you're a single parent. Listen, maybe you're made of a stepmom and, and stepdad and children. Maybe you're made up, again, of stepbrothers or stepsisters. It does not matter. Listen, God puts you together, whether it be by blood, by birth, or God puts you together by marriage. You're a family, and I believe that God wants to bless your family. And God wants you to use you to encourage each other, to sharpen each other, to strengthen each other, to help each other do the best you can together as a family. Now, take your family and realize that you can do good with it. You can have a godly family. I look in the Bible and I see Amram and Jochebed and they were living during terrible times in the Bible. There was idolatry and there was wicked politicians, of course, and hatred for the word of God and for the God of the Hebrew people. And there was a terrible time to, to try to raise children uh, there and during that time. But they raised two boys and a girl, Moses and Aaron and Miriam. And they loved each other. Those three served God together their whole life. Hey, my friend, they did it. Why can't you? Why can't you? We look at Hannah and Elkanah. They lived during a time called the time of the judges. It was a transitional time where Israel would be in the will of God and would forget God and God would punish them and their whole uh, nation was like a seesaw constantly going from one extreme to the other extreme and just one leader after another and then this one would, would, would be killed and this one would take over and back and forth and back and forth. What a horrible, unstable time to live. The Bible says during the time of judges, Every man did that which was right in the sight of their own eyes. What a horrible time. Let me tell you what, during that time, they had a child named Samuel. And Samuel became a prophet and a priest, a great man of God, a man that God spoke to and God used in a great way. And he made a great difference. Listen, Hannah and Elkanah did it. They raised a godly child. Why not you today? Why not us today? It doesn't matter what the world does. You can have good children. You can have godly children. You can have them get along with each other. You can have a quiet, peaceable house. You can have love in the home. You can have cooperation in the home. Amen? I look in the Bible and I read about a man named Daniel. And I don't know his parents' names. The Bible doesn't tell us that. 
But they apparently, his mom and dad instilled in Daniel when he was a young child a love for God and a faith in God and a faith that would continue to lead him and guide him to pray even when it was illegal to pray at the threat of death. Daniel prayed and he was dedicated to God and listen, he served God and I don't know what happened to his parents. Maybe his parents were killed when the Babylonians came and destroyed Jerusalem. I don't know what happened to his parents but I know this, that here's some parents in a terrible time of war, a terrible time of, of just again backsliding. They raised a child named Daniel. Listen, they did it somehow with God's help. God put it in Daniel's heart to put God first. God could do that with you too. Don't be afraid to have children. Don't be afraid to build a home. Don't be afraid to get married. Don't be afraid to make a commitment. I'm saying this, that God can still enable us to have godly homes and godly marriages. And our homes can be places of joy. I think of Zechariah and Elizabeth. They lived during a time when uh, the religious people were called a brood of vipers. I mean, they lived during a time where, again, uh, at that time, people were beaten and thrown on the side of the road and left for dead. The, the Roman army ruled every city, and, and, and they ruled with a fist of iron. I mean, it was a time where people were demon-possessed, and, and blind people would beg on the streets. Not an easy time to, again, raise a family. But here, uh, the Bible tells us Zechariah and Elizabeth had a boy, and his name was John. And they raised John according to what God wanted. And Jesus even said about John, as he was an adult man, he said, there's not one born among women that's greater than John the Baptist. Hey, they were able to do it. God gave them grace, and gave, God gave them wisdom. Why not you? Why not me? Why not here? Why why not tonight, today? God can give us godly homes. Don't you be ever afraid to start a godly home. We don't have to give up today. We don't have to give in today. We don't have to be like everybody else. We don't have to go with the flow. We can have godly homes. Amen? We can have godly homes. I look in the Bible of John and James, his brother, and their mother following Jesus, and I realize, again, that, uh, again, we have unique situations sometimes and sometimes you don't always have every member of the family involved but you could still follow the Lord Jesus Christ I, I read in the Bible about Lazarus and his two sisters Martha and Mary and how they were constantly trying to be a blessing to the apostles and to Jesus himself and I see these two sisters and their brother always looking for opportunities to be close to Jesus and to have him over at their house hey I'm saying brothers and sisters ought to encourage each other to serve the Lord sometimes it's just going to be you Sometimes it's not going to be mom or dad. Sometimes it not, may leave out a person here or there. But you can have a godly relationship with them. I think of Mordecai and Esther. Here's an uncle and his niece. Again, her parents had died. She was, she was again an orphan. But Mordecai adopted her. And here we see Mordecai and his niece, uh, again, Esther, again, in a very difficult situation in a faraway place in Persia. But yet they served God and made a great difference. I read in the Bible about David and Jonathan, and most of the time we think about David and Jonathan as being friends, which they were, but they were also brother-in-laws because David had married, uh, again, Michael, uh, uh, Jonathan's sister, and so they were brother-in-laws as well. Here's two brother-in-laws that were friends, and they encourage each other to do their best for God. I'm saying this, that God has given you a family as well, whether it be a son-in-law or a daughter-in-law or maybe a stepdaughter or a stepson or a mother-in-law or father-in-law 
law. It may be an older brother, a younger brother, a husband or wife or an uncle or an aunt or a grandfather or grandma. It doesn't matter. Again, these people were put in your life uh, by God and, and these things are sovereign in many cases where God gave you your mom and God gave you your dad and God gave you a brother or sister. Realize it's a gift from God and God wants you to be successful as a family. God stands available to help you to be as successful as your family as well. I read in the Bible of Achilla and Priscilla being faithful to God. I think of the woman at Shunem. The Bible called her a great woman and her husband who were a blessing to Elisha. I think of Cornelius in the book of Acts who feared God with all his house. I think of Andrew who got saved and then went and found his brother Peter, Simon Peter, and told him, come and see. Uh, again, we have found the Messiah. And, and Peter was saved as well. And I see these two brothers both following Jesus and giving up their fishing boats and giving up their nets and their passion if you will, for the, for the open uh, sea and following Jesus everywhere and, and serving God for their whole life. Hey, what a brother Andrew was to Peter and what a blessing Peter was to Andrew. That's the way it ought to be. Hey, our families can be successful and we can serve God and have a Christian home. Listen, God will help us if we try to do the work He has given us. God gave us our family and He's invested in, in us as well and God wants us to succeed. You see, Christian homes have endured the trials of life. Think about it. I think of Job and his wife. Can you imagine the trials of life they went through? The thieves and murderers who took everything they had worked for for a lifetime? The fire that came down and destroyed everything, the sickness and disease of Job that caused him to be uh, uh, limited to an ash heap scraping his body with a potsherd, the death of all their children, again, all at one time. But God enabled them to endure it and to, to encourage each other through it and to keep on going. And they had many great days, even after those tragedies and those days and those times that probably lasted about a year. God enabled them to keep on going. Hey, their marriage endured the trials of life, things that you and I could just imagine happening in our lives. And that marriage stayed together. I think of Noah and his family as we spoke about a few minutes ago. The Bible says the earth during this time was corrupt and filled with violence. Imagine, there was nobody left even that they could fellowship with. There was nobody again left in their church but them. There was nobody that they could let their kids play with or there was no camp that they could even let their kids go to. The Bible says when God looked down at the earth, the Bible says they had corrupted his way upon the earth. Everything was perverted and backwards and, and, and wrong. And God looked down to the point where he said, I'm going to have to destroy everything. But the Bible says that Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. And the Bible says he and his family, not just Noah alone, and dads, listen, it's good if you're in church and it's good if you read your Bible, but it wasn't Noah by himself. It was his wife and his children, his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their wives as well that obviously respected Noah and respected what Noah uh, had been told by God. They as well believed that God was speaking to Noah and they believed that when God spoke, they needed to obey the Lord. And this family stood together during a time where you and I could only imagine how bad it is. And they together, the Bible says, entered the ark and God looked down and he saw them righteous. Hey, God endured, uh, that family endured during that terrible time of the flood and they endured the most difficult time ever on the face of this earth for a family to endure and they came out together not bickering and fighting but working together so that they could again continue the human race on earth. And we're all here today because of Noah and his family. You see, you can have a godly family John Bowling, he was a hymn writer, said, a happy family 
is an earlier heaven. Hey, you ought to have heaven on earth in your home. Hey, your relationship with your parents, your relationship with your brother or sister, your relationship with your spouse ought to be a little taste of heaven. You, see, you say, preacher, it's not anything like that. Then what's your problem? What are you doing to not allow it to be that? What are you doing it to causing it to be a hell on earth? What are you doing to cause it to be dysfunctional and, and angry and bitter? What are you doing that you're making your home not to be successful? Oh, let's realize God wants our homes to be successful, and God has made provision for us to be successful. If we're not taking what God gives us, it's our fault. Let me say this, number two, but to have a Christian home, we must realize that we're the ones that have to set our house in order. You see, Noah had his house in order. Noah listened for God, and God knew Noah's heart enough to know that when he spoke, Noah would listen. And so Noah heard from God what to do, and Noah obeyed God. And because Noah was close to God and his wife knew it, she was willing to follow him. Not only that, but Noah's sons knew their dad well enough. Hey, if dad's speaking to God and God shows him something, it's going to happen. And so Noah's sons as well, again, they said, hey, Dad, if that's what God told you, we're on board as well. And their wives said, well, uh, I believe that my husband is going to be used by God. In this, in, see, God works through order is what I'm saying. The wives said, well, uh, Shem, Ham and Japheth's wife, they said, well, we trust our husband. We're going to follow our husband. And so we're going to follow them. And they followed their dad. And the wife followed uh, Noah. And together they were saved in the ark. You know why? Because everything was done decently in order. Everything had a proper organization, was in its proper place. Everything was organized. See, God works through order. In the Bible, in 1 Chronicles chapter 15, there was a case where David was trying to move the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. Now, wait a minute. His intentions were good. He wanted to do something for God. He wanted to do something that would please God. But the problem is this. It ended up in disaster. A man died. Uzziah died during that whole effort, situation. You know why? Because they tried doing a good thing not the way God wanted them to do it. You see, their intentions were good, but they said, well, let's get this Ark of the Covenant. Listen, we don't have a lot of time here. Let's put it on an ox cart and let's just get it over to Jerusalem ASAP. They did not stop to say, what does God want us to do or how does God want us to do this? See, God had a specific order. He wanted the Ark of the Covenant carried on the priest's shoulders. Nobody was allowed to touch the Ark. Nobody was allowed to steady it. God forbid, put it on an ox cart. And the Bible says after they failed, Uzziah died. The Bible says they looked around and they said, The Lord our God made a breach upon us for that we sought him not after the due order. They realized it. We're not, oh, we were trying to do something good, but we didn't do things with God's arrangement. We did not follow the due order. We kind of took things into our own hands because we meant, well, we'll just do it, not realizing God wanted it done a specific way, the way he intended to do it. Are you with me? If we want God to bless our homes, we've got to organize our homes in a way that God can bless. Sometimes we arrange things that God can't bless. It's impossible for God bless to bless because it's out of order. You see, everything has to be properly placed and properly arranged. What I'm saying is this, husbands, you need to be the head of the home. You need to be the spiritual leader. You need to be the one to pray. You need to be the one to pray. Because I believe if God's going to lead your family, he's going to talk to you. 
You're the head of the home. Listen, Noah was a man that heard from God. You're the one that has to have connection with God and say, Lord, I don't know what to do. Please show me. Please show me. I have to tell everybody else what to do. I have to know. And you have to pursue God. That's your job. You're the head of the home. You have to lead your wife. You have to lead your children. Don't, don't delegate that to your wife and say, here, you, you talk to God and you come back and tell me what God said. Listen, you read the story of Joseph and Mary, you'll find out, yes, God spoke to Mary, but God spoke to Joseph many more times. Listen, God wants to work through the man. He wants to work through the husband. You are the picture of Christ to the church. God wants you to be the spiritual one. You have to read the Bible. You have to know God. You have to know God's will. Listen, your wife is the one that's supposed to encourage you, not lead you. Amen? Wives, as I said, uh, encourage your wives. Don't get ahead of him. Encourage him to lead. Back him up. Pray for him. Be behind him. Be his encourager. Be his cheerleader. That's what your man needs. He needs somebody to lift him up because the whole world is beating him up. Listen, he needs somebody when he comes home to put uh, her arms around him and kiss him and trust him and, and pray for him. That's what he needs more than anything else. And only you can provide that. And children, obey your parents. Obey your parents, the Bible says, for this is right in the sight of the Lord. Listen, some houses, when God looks down, God says, I cannot bless this mess. This is out of order. The children are in control. God's not going to bless that. God's not going to speak to your children to show you, mom and dad, what to do. You're the parents. You tell the children what to do. You train them. Don't let your children train you to do whatever they want you to do. Boy, that needs to be said again, doesn't it? Hey, don't let your children train you with their temper tantrums and their uh, not talking to you and their pouting to control you. You tell them what to do. It's your house. Who's paying the mortgage, the two-year-old or you? Hey, don't allow convenience to be the decision maker. Hey, don't let the cell phone raise your child or the daycare. You raise your child. You train them because, again, they're your children. God gave them to you. Hey, money's not the goal of life. Hey, uh, emotions are not what's supposed to control us. Listen, we need to let God lead us and put everything in order. Amen? Husbands that are henpecked are not going to be used by God. Listen, women that are burned out from uh, doing the job of two people, they're not going to uh, do the will of God. Let's put things in order. Amen? Everything has to be done in due order. Listen, young people, right now, you live in your parents' home. Right now, your responsibility is to obey them and honor them. That's it. Now, listen, one day, you're going to get a shot to be the boss. One day, you're going to be able to walk around in your castle and make the rules, but not yet. Right now, don't say anything. Right now, don't try to tell your parents how to run things. It's not your job. What you ought to do is take notes, and one day, you're going to get your chance. Like I said this morning, my kids sometimes would bring, uh, come to me and say, who ate my hamburger? Who ate, who ate my sandwich? And I said, I did. They said, why? I said, well, your hamburger from wherever you went last night was in my refrigerator, using my electricity in my kitchen, in my house, on my property. So tough luck. Now listen, one day you're going to get a chance to say that. And as you can tell, it feels good. I like saying that. Anything you put in my kitchen is my territory. And I don't have to ask you to eat something out of my refrigerator. Amen? Hey, but listen, that, <laughs> there were times, listen to me, when I was 16 and 17, it wasn't like that. My dad ate all my stuff, too. Listen, ladies, 
don't, don't, don't usurp your, your husband's authority. Listen, right now, realize right now it's your place to encourage your husband. Amen? You say, well, preacher, what should I do? Wait for him to die. Hey, I'm saying this. Statistically, husbands die before wives. Ladies, you're in a great, you're in a great position. You've positioned yourself. Just make sure the life insurance is paid up. Listen, one day, ladies, you're going to be the boss. After he dies, listen, you get the life insurance, you get the house, you get the, uh, you get the investments, you get all that stuff, and then you could be the boss. Amen? Is that a good plan or what? You just got to be patient. You got to outlive him. Amen? Listen, statistically, the men wear themselves out and burn themselves out. And then when they die and they're put in the ground, the wife's in great shape and continues going on another 30 years or so. Hey, but until then, ladies, listen, be your husband's encourager, amen? Don't, 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 don't try to get ahead of him and don't try to boss him around. Again, wait, wait till the right time. I'm saying set things in order. Make sure things are right. Hey, I'm saying this. Maybe you're here this morning and you're living together. You need to get right with God. Set things in order. Hey, you ought to live in separate apartments until you get married. Hey, you ought, to, you ought to not expect God to bless your home if you're living in, in adultery or living in immorality or living in fornication. God's not going to bless that. God's not going to bless your home if there's any uh, improp- impropriety or immorality going on. Set your house in order. You say, I want God to bless my home. The Bible says we have to set things in order so God can bless it. The husband's got to be the, the man of the house. The wife has to be the, the encourager and the companion and the friend and so forth. The children have to obey their parents. When things are in order, God says, now I'm going to bless that home. Hey, when uh, we get sin out of our homes, we get lying out of our homes, and we get disrespect out of our homes and the things that tear one another down, then God will bless our homes. That's our job. Listen, I can't bless my home. Only God can do that. But I can prepare myself. I can make myself blessable, amen? Maybe your in-laws are involved in your, in your marriage. You, you need to get your in-laws out of your marriage. They have their own house. And again, do it in a respectful way, but uh, wife, take care of your parents, and husband, take care of your parents. Listen, say, I love you, and if I need advice, I know you're there, and I'll certainly come to you. But listen, your house is your house. Hey, your house belongs to you, and you're accountable to God for it. At my house, we had four people. As of a few months ago, I have three people in my house now. My son has his own house now. That's between him and God now. That's not my responsibility anymore. Hey, and we're here to help him if he wants help, but that's not my area anymore. I'm saying let's, let's as in-laws, let's not become outlaws. As in-laws, let's respect our children and the decisions they make, and, and let's, let's pray for them and encourage them and be ready to advise them if they ask for it. But otherwise, let's stay out of their life. That's their business now. You wanted the same respect when you got married. Give them the same respect. Amen? I'm saying we can't have those successful homes if we have division, if we have competition, if we're undermining each other, if we don't talk to each other, if we quarrel, quarrel, if we complain, if we constantly are, are, are hurting each other. Someone years ago said, very sad statement. He said, nothing is destroying Christianity and its strength more than the unreconciled state that most Christian families live in. Let me say that again. Process this. Nothing is destroying Christianity and its strength more than the unreconciled state that most Christian families live in, where the husband and wife are not working together, but they're contradicting each other. They're not united in front of their children. Where children are are 
disagreed in disagreement with their parents, or parents are, are, are not right with their children, or brothers and sisters uh, won't talk to each other. That's the kind of stuff that destroys our families. Don't let that into your family, and certainly don't think God can bless you until you straighten that out, amen? If you've got wedges between you and another family member, go home and take them out. You see, home is not supposed to be a place where we argue and disagree and feud and fight. We're supposed to work together. Listen to this, and I'll be done, and I'm going to continue the sermon tonight. Richard Baxter was a man known for prayer in England many years ago. And Richard Baxter saw the need for revival in his city. And he began to pray that God would bring a revival to his city. And he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and it seemed like nothing was moving. Finally, he came to God, and he said, I'm praying for revival for my city. Why is it not happening? Why is revival not brought upon my city? God showed him. He said, Richard Baxter, he said, before you can have revival in your city, you need to have revival in your church. That's where it's going to start. And so he changed his prayer from revival of a city to, Lord, bring revival to our church. And he prayed for revival in his church. And he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, but it seemed like nothing was moving. It seemed like they were at a stalemate. It was the same thing all the time. Finally, Richard Baxter went back to God. He said, God, I prayed for the city, and you said to go more to the root of the problem and pray for the church. He said, I've been praying for our church for revival, and yet no revival is breaking out in our church. Am I doing something wrong? God showed me. He said, you have to go deeper yet to the root. He said, don't pray for your city. Don't pray for your church. He said, you'll never have revival in the city until you have revival in your church, and you'll never have revival in your church until you have revival in your homes. Pray for revival between the husbands and wives, and the parents and the children, and the brothers and sisters, because when you get revival in the family, it'll spread to the church. And when you have revival in the church, it'll spread to the community. My brother and my sister, the Bible looked down at Noah and his family and said, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for I have seen thee righteous before me in this generation. I wonder if God looked down at your home and God who knows all hearts and the thoughts of all men, could he say that you're right with your parents? God cannot bless a young person that's not right with their parents. You hold bitterness and harbor resentment towards your wife or your husband. God cannot bless your marriage. That's contradictory to anything that he wants to do. It's putting a wedge right there where God wants to move. If there's a difference, you need to sit down and deal with it. You need to sit down and figure out how to overcome it. Because God wants our families to succeed. God wants our families to be right with him so he can bless them and use them. Bless our children. But our homes have to be right. Thank you again for listening to this episode. We pray this was a blessing to you as you seek to please the Lord and serve him. Only heaven knows the impact we have upon those that God has gifted us with. May God bless you.